Well, quickly, I want to I want to introduce to you uh, a father to me in the faith. Uh, not only that, but a friend. He and his wife Liana Allen Platt is here with us today. Let's give it up for him. It's amazing. Oh, it's going to be so good. Um, as Alan comes, I just want to say a few words about this man. Um, we've known each other now for several years. I've had opportunities to be with him out there in the ministry space and also in his living room. And what I can say is he's the, the same person in both settings. And that's a real beautiful thing. What he speaks on is what he lives. And my wife and I have been greatly impacted by he and his family in so many ways. Um, we are the better people because of this relationship. I'm convinced of that. I mean, God has done so much inside of our hearts. And this is one of the most powerful men in the gospel, woman in the gospel, and yet humble people that we've ever met, never known. They have a, a tremendous ministry based out of South Africa, but now is around the world with, I believe, churches in nine different nations that we're going for 12 as a Doxadale family. And we're part of this movement through what they call City Changers, where we're raising up people just like you, just like what we saw in the video, to go and transform our cities through vocation as mission. And so could we give a massive, massive stand-up welcome to Alan Platt as he comes and shares the gospel today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate that. Isn't Darren just the coolest 50-year-old you know? Oh, my goodness. What a joy to be with you. Let me, let me just say uh, it's a delight to be with you. And uh, this has been a great week. Uh, and um, Darren, Wendy... Uh, you know, thinking back just in the season of God's preparation for your lives, uh, you have these moments, these, these references in your life, and this was one of them this week. And um, we believe that God has prepared, invested in your lives in an incredible way, and that the next season is going to come and surprise you. Because we need your voice, not only in this ministry here. We need it in the city. We need it in this nation. We need it globally. And God in his time is positioning you to be a voice much greater than you have ever experienced. God bless you. God bless you. So it's really a joy to be with you. And by the way, Wendy's has a discount on Thursdays, I think, for seniors. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, man. You can see I'm really getting to be at home here, right? Wow. Wow. Um, in, as part of this series on building, building people for their ministry, their calling, their purpose. Uh, I want to share a few thoughts with you today uh, under the title of Maturing in Christ. Maturing in Christ. Now here's the thing that we know, that in Christ we are already complete. We 
are complete in him. But it's important for us to understand that we, in our discovery of that completeness, are on a journey of aligning ourselves to become that which we already are. And that is the maturing process. That's the developing process. And if we look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we start there today, um, Paul is speaking about what we refer to at times as the fivefold ministry. And he says these are gifts that God has given to the body. And he, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do something. To equip, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Listen to these concepts that follow. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain mature manhood, adulthood completeness, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are to grow up, oh yes, that we should no longer be children, but we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Into Christ. There is this maturing process that is necessary in our lives. You know, many times I've heard people say, now that's a really spiritual person. Or that's a spiritual giant. Or, you know, I want to grow spiritually. The question is, what do you mean? When you talk about this spiritual, Spiritual maturity, this growth, this, this becoming what you truly want to be in Christ. And the Bible says that we are privileged within the context of a faith community to recognize that there are gifts. And these gifts help to equip us in terms of this journey. And there are apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Now, it's interesting when you take the hand as the reference of that and say, you know, there are apostles. What do apostles do? Well, they lay foundations and they uh, bring order and uh, they bring momentum and they make sure that things get done. And, and, and we see that process through the apostolic is necessary in terms of every faith community. It's also interesting that the thumb can touch every one of the other. All right, I see she's showing me, so you've already had that taught here. They train well here, man. And then the prophetic, and the Bible says the apostolic and the prophetic form this foundation to the church, right? And the prophetic is 
is this revelatory, this insight, this understanding, this communicating of the now word of God in terms of, of the context in which we are in. And then the evangelistic. The evangelistic is, is that which challenges us to go beyond the walls, to reach out, to see a broken and damaged world out there, and, and to trust God for people to come into the faith. And the, the, the evangelistic are always also challenging us in terms of the miraculous, and trusting God for more, and expanding your anticipation in terms of the future. We need the evangelistic in our lives. And then you get the shepherding. And the shepherd says, well, it's great that we want to go and win the world, but do you know how the people right here are hurting? And there's pain, and, and we've got to care for our people, and, and the people that have come in, they need to be made whole and, and cared for, and, and, and they want to focus on the one another concepts, you know, love one another, serve one another, care for one another, pray for one another, all the one another's. We need the shepherding. And then you get the teacher. And it's this finger because all teachers are short. Now, there's a deeper revelation. If your ear is itching, which finger do you use? <laughs> uh, now, you see, the teacher says, give me your ear. The teacher says, I want to train you. I want to equip you. I want to systematically take you on this journey because you need to be discipled. You need to understand the foundational premises of of." of the kingdom life, and, and I'm going to teach you. And, and, and you can always hear when a teacher's preaching because he says, I've got five points, and they all start with the letter P. Now, here's what's fascinating. In the church, we not only have those gifts that are there to equip, but we have people that carry that reference in their own lives. And so it's very interesting, if you have a propensity towards prophetic, when there is a prophetic ministry taking place, you come alive. Because now the prophet is breaking open the word, and it's the revelation, and you're seeing things that you never saw before, and you're saying, man, God was in the house today. Until the teacher shows up. And the teacher says, well, I'm going to teach you today five principles. And um, they're all starting with the letter P. And all the teachers that are sitting in the audience are saying, man, at last, somebody's making sense. I can take notes. But when the evangelist shows up, I mean, then the evangelist, oh, I mean, Evangelists, the way they speak is just different. They say, hallelujah. <laughs> and everybody that's got an evangelistic sense about them kind of, oh man, the man of God. And they preach and they, and they, and they communicate and they stir faith in our hearts. And, and, and the poor teaching people are sitting there and saying, I know God spoke, but I, I only had the title and the date.
Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You have to understand that you have a certain bent. You have a certain propensity towards a particular gift. But here's what's important to understand. You need the whole hand. Because if you have the whole hand, there's going to be God working in your life to bring you to become equipped. For ministry, for that which God has called you to. I've often wondered, how can I know that I'm growing into this full stature of Christ, into this this sense of being what Jesus believed about my life? And, and how can I navigate that growth process? And so I see John, as he writes one of his letters, is trying to help us to understand something of this maturing process. And he writes in 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to read three verses from verse 12 to 14. He says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you Little children, because you have known the Father, I've written to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So here's interesting, John writes, and he references three different groups of people. And we know he's not talking about natural children, young men, and fathers. He's talking about spiritual children, young men, and fathers. Because he actually gives definition to why he calls them children, why he calls them young men, and why he calls them fathers. He says, children, I'm writing to you because your sins are forgiven. Young men, I'm writing to you because you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. And fathers, I'm writing to you because you've known him who is from the beginning. Now, let's quickly look at each one of these three dimensions. He starts off by saying, I'm writing to you children because your sins I've forgiven you. Now, you see, that's how we become part of the family of God. We come to the place where we recognize our need for redemption in our lives. And we recognize that our sins are forgiven. And we enter into this new life in Christ. We enter into this 
the space where we receive grace and, and God's love and acceptance upon our lives. And we recognize that no longer is there distance between us and the Father because we have become part of the family of God. And if you are here today and you recognize that that has happened in your life, would you raise your hand and just say, Amen. Right, so here's a whole group of people that testify to this experience of becoming a child of God. But you see, that's what defines you as a child. The fact that you know your sins are forgiven. But, you know, when a child comes into a family, everything changes. I don't know how many of you have just had a newborn in your family, but it changes everything. It changes the way you think about the house. It changes how you think about your car. It, it changes the way you think about your schedule. It just takes you so much longer to go anywhere. Right? Suddenly everything changes. You, you now wonder whether you should be going. <laughs> Why? Because now there's a child. And you see, this child becomes the very focus of the adults in the house. And everything is arranged around this child. The decibel level in the house changes. Everything changes. Why? Because we have a child in the house and we want this child to grow. We want this child to develop. We want this child to have the best shot. And so we make adjustments to allow this child to develop. And um, it's it's. Exactly the same spiritually. We have to understand that when people become children of God, they are in essence children. We many times assume that the fact that they've given their life to Jesus already implies that they will be mature, that they will understand, that they will know. They now need adults who will stoop to their level. I mean, it's always been one of the most fascinating things for me to see an intellectual giant when he gets to a child. He, something happens to him. He looks at that kid and he goes, go, 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 go. Doctor, what just happened there? Oh, I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to connect at that level. I'm bringing you into this world that I know and understand and appreciate. I'm connecting with you at that level. And so we have to ask in a family of faith, how do we connect with people that just enter into this space? And how do we navigate the journey with them so that they can come to the level where they understand what we understand? You know, 
A child needs adult supervision. If you have a little baby here crawling around you, you better keep your eye on that kid. Why? Because anything it found, he or she finds on the, on the carpet, guess what happens? Goes to their mouth. It's exactly the same spiritually. That's what kids do. They get anything, anywhere, on whichever website or whoever sin, and it will go to their mouth. We are spiritual people who are adults in the Lord, need to take responsibility to make sure the kids don't put anything in their mouth. And you know, kids... They have their own appetite. And you can, I mean, if you, if you have to ask your kids, would you, would you decide on what the diet's going to be for the next week? All right, you can choose breakfast, lunch, dinner. I guarantee you there's not going to be much vegetable in that diet, right? Why? Because Children and vegetables are incompatible. There is not this natural desire to engage with that. That's why they need adults who sit at the table and say, eat your vegetables. And then they would say, why? And you would say, because. And you might not even know exactly why, but you just know they have to do that. It's exactly the same in terms of our journey as we navigate spiritual maturity. Because this child has to grow to become what the Bible calls a young man. Now, the Bible's not always so gender sensitive. The fact is, this is not a male reference. This is a station of spiritual engagement, all right? So for all the ladies that are here, you can grow to become a young man in the spirit, okay? If I can be the bride of Christ, you can be a young man, okay? (laughs) All right. But you've got to grow to this level of engagement in terms of of becoming what God has intended for you to become. And John goes and he gives definition to what this young man is. He says, I've written to you young men because you are strong. The word of God abides within you. The word is now influencing the way you live life, the way you make decisions, the way you navigate choices. The the, the, the fact that the word of God now becomes the defining reference of my life. And you have overcome the wicked one. 
In other words, you have some victories. You are now seeing in this journey. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you've arrived. It means that you're now having more victories than you're having failures in your life. You're starting to step up to become that which God has intended for you to be because you're growing into the full stature of Christ. You see, when a child is small and that little child says, what happens to all the adults? Who's going to run? Okay, they run. And they pick up the child. Why? Because that's what happens with a child. We are there. We, we, we nurture. We, we help. We, we support. But you see, as that child grows, when that child becomes 18 years old, and that child says, huh? Mom doesn't run to and say, oh, what's wrong with you? She has a different tone. Grow up. Listen to me. We have to understand in this journey of kingdom life, we are to grow into the full stature of Christ. It doesn't mean that there aren't times where you need people to come alongside you, where there's bona fide crisis in your life and you need the body of Christ and you need one another to help one another. But I know people that have been Christians for years and they are still children. We need to grow. How do we grow into this fullness? Well, The problem with a a young man is many times when you grow and you become strong, you have just grown from dependence to independence. And there's the biggest risk. Because now I think I'm strong. I got some stuff that I can reference. Now I need to go to the next level, you see, because I'm part of a community. And young men have to discover what it means to become a father. Because what do fathers do? They take responsibility for children to help them to become young men. So that they can become fathers. Wouldn't it be incredible if in the church we see a generation of fathers. Fathers and mothers rising up. People that have become strong in the Lord. But not running away from a context in terms of feeling responsible to the family. Not trying to do their own thing. But being part of the family and saying, I will step up to take responsibility for the next generation. Let me end. By 
referencing Jesus. There is John the Baptist. Busy ministering to people. And Jesus looks at John the Baptist and he says to the people around him, he says, if you want to know, he is the Elijah that was to come. Jesus wasn't talking about reincarnation. He was referencing the principle, the Elijah principle. And this Elijah principle we read about in Malachi chapter 4, the last verses in the Bible, Old Testament. This was the promise. Behold, I send you Elijah the the prophet, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Why Elijah? Well, you will recall... When Elijah was about to die, he had his spiritual understudy, Elisha, that was with him. And as Elijah is taken away in this, this fiery chariot, Elisha, oh, 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 Elisha calls out and says, My father, my father. And the first time it's recorded in Scripture that a man called his non-biological leader his father. And the fathering principle is birthed. And then as God journeys with the people of Israel, he gets to this point in Malachi and he says, there will be a day when I will bring to you the, the prophet Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And then for 400 years, it's a dry period in Israel's history. None of it's recorded in the Bible. And 400 years later, John the Baptist comes out of the desert. And he's challenging people. Change the way you think. Align yourself to the purposes of God. Become what God has intended you to be. And Jesus looks at him and he says, that's Elijah. The spirit of Elijah is upon this man. There's a fathering spirit upon this man. Now listen, we're going to read this portion of scripture in Matthew 11. He says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is the Elijah who is to come. And then Jesus makes the statement, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or everybody there had ears. But Jesus knew he was going to share a principle now that you needed spiritual insight to understand. He says, but to what will I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions saying, we played on the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned for you and you did not lament. What does Jesus say? He looks at John and he says, there's a spiritual father. And then he says, but to what will I liken this generation? And he's referencing the spiritual leadership of his day. He says it's like children entertaining children. 
So we presented you a little program and you didn't like the program, so we flipped the program. Children, entertaining. Children. Harbor Church here today. It's very similar in our day. Where the church has become a place where children are entertaining children. But we need ministries like this one that will rise and say, we're not just going to entertain. We're not just going to give you a program and hope you show up. But we're going to father people to become that which God has intended them to be so that they can be released into their calling and their ministry and become that which God has intended for you. Because he says, wisdom will be justified by their children. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are our Father. You're the reference of everything that fatherhood entails. And we drink deeply, Lord. The Bible says we are fathers because we know the Father who is from the very beginning. We know what it is to be fathered. We know the security. We know the understanding of what it means to live in proximity with the Father as Jesus modeled for us. And therefore, Lord, in this moment, I pray for every individual hearing this word. I pray for this ministry that the mantle of fathering will come and capture your heart, your mind, your, your being, and that fathers, spiritual fathers, men and women will rise up to become what God has called them to be. We thank you. In your name, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Amen. 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 God bless you.